0: They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your
1: hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. But bye 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 bye. Bye bye bye
0: bye bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. So a, a bit subdued. I'll, I'll step outside so I can be as noisy as usual. But um hello, listener! Welcome to Bad Boy Running. hello, <laughs> really?
2: listeners. In,
0: in fact, what I do, I'll, I'll do the start again, Nick. So uh, I'll step outside. So hopefully, this is still right. Let's try again. Bye 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 bye
2: bye 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 bye. You don't know the, choo- right. the tune. Don't know the tune. Is that and I'm tone deaf, so it's like a double whammy. <laughs> it's a mime in primary school choir. Did you really the only Welsh- Yeah, can't sing. Oh, I love singing, but I can't sing.
0: <laughs> wow, in some ways, it-, it means you're not a
2: Welshman, doesn't it? Yeah, it's tripling. It's absolutely crippling. Like being a sober um,
0: Irishman, it just doesn't happen. But um, well. <laughs> Do listen. Welcome to Bad Boy Running. You you hopefully recognise my voice, but do you recognise this man's voice?
2: Is this where Jody comes in and says something? <laughs> or am I supposed to say something here? Yeah.
0: Well, where's well,
2: Jody? By the way, what have you done with him?
0: Jody is a good question, actually. So, listen, the next few weeks, including this episode, are going to be a little bit different because Jody Wait is. A
2: minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What? Is Jody? I don't want to. I don't want to speak with you. Jody's not there. <laughs> i that's i didn't agree to this is it just you dave
0: it's I, I i'm wearing the jody mask which is why you're probably confused but i'm afraid it's just me yeah jody's in his, his busiest time of year so the next few weeks he's um we're going to be mixing it up and around but well i'm david
2: hellard but who are you sir i'm who jack blessington how's it going <laughs> can i borrow that mask
0: <laughs> to be honest your yeah. your wife's already got one so you just have to Yeah. but do banners, welcome to the welcome to the podcast we wanted to get you on to um if you haven't listened to hugh's episode previously go back to probably a hundred episodes ago and listen to that it's great it's all about the dragon's back was it
2: yeah dragon's back and a few other things you yeah, know it was just when that was coming out um is it around about the 100th episode you see and and then i felt bad because i i hadn't given anything valuable i just blabbered on for a couple of hours and then i phoned back the next morning and said i better give you something useful here (laughs) so there's two
0: oh that's right yeah we did a second one with extra advice so keep that in mind today (laughs) we're looking through what you've been doing that you know informative sometimes does help but our listener isn't expecting that i wouldn't say but um basically we normally have a catch-up before the the interviews we've got quite a few interviews but as Hugh is a friend and we all know him well and the stuff he's doing is just lots and lots of little bits all together in one epic tv show I thought we get you on as one of the guest presenters to actually do a proper catch-up so Hugh what's been happening? Ah all
2: sorts is this the bit where we're supposed to talk about what what you had for lunch and stuff like that and like uh, <laughs> Death usually comes into it, doesn't it? Pork scratch, all sorts of weird stuff. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> what did you do for lunch, Dave?
0: Um, I had a, a Sainsbury's three-pound meal, a uh, value meal, which I was very... No, to maybe Tesco. I was very satisfied with. Um, but have you been eating for racing? Have you been lunching for racing?
2: <laughs> Not at all. I never do. No, no. no. Uh, I had cauliflower soup. There we go. That's about as interesting as pod's going to get. There we go. <laughs>
0: Well, how's um you? You obviously are now um, probably inundated from responses to last night's episode of the new series
2: of your show. So, um, how's have you have you heard back from anyone? Well, I'm waiting for your text, really. Um, yeah, I've heard a few, but but you know, um, it's uh, it's because there's been three or four. This is the this is the fourth one that's been out, Has been um, uh, most people, I reckon. They've texted the first time and then they got out oh, of i don't want to um I, I hope that's what they're doing they're saying oh, i don't want to bug him anymore or or that they think the rest of them are really awful and they just don't want to let me know anymore but um no they've slowed down really <laughs> Not-
0: so i'm actually one of the terrible friends who's i i thought last night was the first one <laughs> and i forgot i was gonna watch it and then yeah. i had to do some work for for um kathy bullet so i'm gonna watch it tomorrow night instead but tell us about what the um well firstly how can people view it and tell us about what you're doing this time
2: oh, okay yeah it's on the BBC i and uh, s4c um and there's a little subtitles a little button in the bottom right hand corner because it is in welsh mostly so uh, be prepared for that um but um and, and it's all looking into endurance and the different like elements of it. so you, the premise i i did go in to the meeting to begin with with the 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 producers and say I wanted to make sort of like um, I thought there was a gap in the market since Eurotrash has left our screens and Takishi <laughs> <laughs> Castle, you know. Two of two, two, my favourite programmes there and they said, yeah, we're game, we'll do that and I signed and then they proceeded to play a game of Let's Hurt Who for like all summer. So I'm yet to see any of the Takishi Castle bits. Well,
0: listeners, listen, if you don't know what Eurotrash is, from what I remember essentially is um, a a very playful slightly canned frenchman
2: yeah continental <laughs> yeah. one show isn't it yeah.
0: but they they, they they seem to be constantly talking about naked cleaners who'd be going around cleaning places for my recall for some reason male cleaners as well listening in case you're wondering if it, it, it was pervy towards them and towards other women but essentially back in the 90s before you could watch hardcore porn you uh you watched Eurotrash Trash, pretending it was comedy, but actually being a bit titillated by nudity.
2: <laughs> Is that a fair description? So you're doing that for a six-part that's about, episode? You know, well, that's, that's what I wanted to. That's the... <laughs> it was a very important part of my childhood, Dave. Don't dish it. <laughs> so so I, essentially
0: I... you're doing naked endurance
2: challenges. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah minus the knee, uh, unfortunately. Well, no, that's probably fortunate because uh, yeah, obviously. Don't think many people want to tune into that.
0: So, so because <laughs> you've you've done quite a few epic challenges in the past. Last time we spoke, you talked about how you'd done you'd done the spine. you have done some world championships of mountain long distance mountain bike racing or something in New Zealand. And are you, are you mixing it up the sports as much this time as you
2: have in your 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 life today? Um, yeah, yeah, kind of, using it. I've, I've stuck to f- fell running now, so it's... But I, the, the premise of the whole programme is to look at the all the underlying things that go into endurance and what defines it. Because it's quite hard. It's not just running, is it? It's not just cycling. It's, you know, you blip, you play table tennis long enough, you're, you're into the realms of endurance, aren't you? And it's trying to look at all the psychology, science and... Um, And the physiology behind what what makes you like what makes the the top guys tick, and what makes you um, what makes us capable of doing it. What makes us what what effect it has on our bodies as well. I'm I'm just going to call you up on that. Um, I I assume table tennis
0: has never been played long enough to be an endurance sport. Or do you know of some feat that I'm yet to be (laughs) aware
2: of? (laughs) No. I think there's a gap in the market for a bad boy running world record, there, isn't there? <laughs> so, um, so then, so six episodes, then it's quite like
0: really amount, a long amount of time to be um, focusing yes, like, on this as an issue. Five episodes. So, so how do you, how have you tested these things?
2: So, um, it's out long, as I said. Yeah, so we go around meeting different people from different backgrounds. You know, we meet a Shaolin monk. I've gone; he's an incredible guy. Um, i go meet a cage fighter i go meet someone who's rowing across the atlantic solo i go meet an ultra runner she's been on the pod laurie morgan do you know she's been oh on the yeah pod, is she? no, she's great yeah. yeah 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 Lori, and then oh, there's various people from all sorts there's there's like a paralympic kayaker as well um and we, we, we're looking at what what got them into it what what and we look at different elements that you can take from each one. So with the, for instance, the cage fighter, the Shaolin monk, that's looking at pain, how to deal with pain. Because, you know, you, you enter an endurance race, you're going to be in a lot of pain for a lot of for the time. Aren't you? And, and it's probably one of the biggest things is how do you cope with it and how do you deal with it? And if you can do, do that well, then you probably are one of the top uh, endurance athletes, aren't you? Um, and, and, and did uh, they two better, people...
0: But like, did the cage fighter and the shadow Monk have very different approaches
2: for dealing with it? Oh yeah. Um I was expecting them to. I was expecting them to because you know, for obvious reasons you think you meet you think of a cage fighter, you've got this um this image in, in yeah. Well I did anyway. I, I thought I knew the type of person I was gonna meet and he was called Brett Johns, this guy. But he completely blew me blew me away. It was like he's such a deep deep thinker about what, what he's doing. Nothing's by accident. He, he's, he's got, he had some really cool things to say and things that actually affected, yeah, it, it did did affect me. You know, like I was going into it a little bit like, oh, this is just a bit of a gimmick for the TV programme, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, um, what am I going to learn from a cage fighter? But, but you know, I, I left and it had affected me and it did help. It's, um, one of the most simple things he said was, um, because one incident, he showed me a clip, right? of him fighting where he'd fractured fractured his eye socket in the, one of the first first moments of the fight. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd carried on. with He he knew full well what he'd done because, you know, they, they're quite in tune with their bodies. They? He he knew there's, there's some damage done there, but he carried on regardless. And he went on to win that fight. Um... But, but, but three rounds later, you know, knowing full well that he was doing damage every punch that was landing, he was doing more damage, and and to me that was like, what? what you? How can you carry on like that? And he was saying the pain of quitting would be much harder to deal with than the physical pain, and that is just really simple message, it? and it resonates with with everything that I've been doing over the years, and it's just like, yeah, and an easy way of of when, when you're like thinking of quitting, thinking of stopping in that pub on like the fourth checkpoint of uh, of the ultra marathon, pentillion or something. That that's the kind of thing you want to be thinking about, isn't it? and all these little things. And I, that was just that's just one example. But
0: does he does he do things to cultivate that um, that that desire? And also because we can all have that feeling, but then when we're in the moment, when we've got immense pain, it's about whether you then almost out of it's out of your control how much you actually want it and how much that yes. that that almost pain of quitting is because on some races there's zero pain in quitting if you haven't trained for it like if you've done a park run you you hurt your ankle you're like oh sod it i will just go and get a coffee you, you don't care so was yeah. is was he doing something yeah. to actually increase the pressure and to to make that pain so much larger so that when he was in fight mode it was overshadowing any physical pain
2: he'd have. Well, you've just hit the nail on the head there, right? That's just one of the episodes is on pain. Another one is on fear, and how to use it, and and, and the not not just the bad connotations of it, but of but of if if you're afraid of something enough you're going to put in everything to prepare for it. and you, if, if, Unless you've got that fear, that respect for whatever you're trying to do, you're not going to sacrifice the things that you need to do in order to prepare properly for it. And Unless you've done that, if, if you've put that sacrifice in and all that time, all that effort, and not just you, the people around you and stuff, then once you're in it, quitting is easy. You've sacrificed shitloads and you know you, you've put a lot of stuff into it and the people around you have. Especially people around you, I reckon. Um, then quitting becomes incredibly hard, doesn't it? Really, you, when 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 there's so much riding on it, so it's all sort of interweaves w- with each other. It's no, there's no one element to endurance, and that's probably the biggest thing that I left with it was the importance of all of the like the fear, the be, being scared of something, being scared of something proper makes you sacrifice things, and then. Allows you to be able to deal with pain because it's nothing really compared to um, letting people down or letting letting yourself down.
0: So do you think we should all be going out and, and laying massive bets with people that we're going to finish something or that we're going <laughs> to? I mean, Jodie's currently by the time this podcast comes out, probably two weeks away from having to do an Ironman next year, because he he's, doesn't seem to have run a 5K in the last year, let alone under the sub-22 minutes, although I, I, I secretly suspect he's already run it, but hasn't told me. But, um, yeah, so, so should we be going out and creating all of this extra pressure by um,
2: external means? yeah. I definitely. We could even. I could even contact the Cage Fire, and we could threaten <laughs> Jody with the Cage Fire, and I reckon, you know, talking about the fear and using fear to your advantage. Let's just threaten Jody with uh, a world champion Cage Fire with really massive cauliflower ears. He looked he looked dangerous. You know, I think, well, work. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Dave.
0: Although, in a way, I think if you're going to fight a cage fighter, the one who looks really pretty is probably the one you've got to be the most scared of. Because <laughs> no one's ever landed a punch. He's too quick. He's too good. <laughs> you've got the really ugly one. You like, know, this guy's been like, anyone could be this guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, the hard people on this guy, yeah. Bad key for <laughs> so,
0: so then you had fear, you had um, pain. What, what were the other three critical um, elements that you found? Um,
2: the, the the others kind of wove themselves into. So we had um, uh, um, uh, success and failure. There's another one. It was one episode, like how to deal. If you want success too much, then you're going to go overboard and burn yourself out, and then, and the fear of, of failing. So that that seesaw balance, and for that we went to speak with um, a Paralympic um, kayaker. She was trying to um, uh, qualify for the next Paralympic games. Um, I think it's in 2020. She uh, knows she was quite an incredible woman. She, she'd had a car accident, and, and, and you know she she and she start found kayaking after, and. Um, and she, she she landed and found she'd had this incredible gift for what she was doing And but she was, was in this team right? turning up to Nottingham every day every morning she'd been training with these other girls there was five of them training together and there was one spot in the team oh, all Paralympians wow so they've succeeded in getting there but then they're in this massive pressure cooking out um, of trying to get into that team and we Went there when they were in the middle of it, and, and you know, it was a couple of weeks until selection was due, and I got to rate, I got to have a go in one of the kayaks. Um, but anyway, that that, and, and then talking to her about that, that balance and how to cope with not being afraid of a feeling basically that, that's the thing that came in there. And reframing things, reframing. That's the phrase that she used, like and, and trying to or if you unless you reframe that thing of taking a step back and saying, Yeah, I I, I didn't complete that. I didn't get into the team, but look where I am. I, I'm one of these five people, the best in Britain, doing this and, and that 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 was key to keeping her mental state of mind in the right place.
0: And was that and, uh, something that she... Was that a narrative that she wrote once she hadn't got in? Like,
2: or no, has... no, no, she was still in contention. She was still in contention, but you, I reckon you've got to lay those foundations because if you're in that position, I reckon one of five people, you probably, she, she knew who was going to get in because you kind of know, don't you? If you're mm. racing with these people every day mm. and training with them, you know if someone's stronger than you. And she knew that well, there was one girl that was head and shoulders above the rest and she was more than likely going to be the one that got chosen. So she was laying the foundations of how to deal with it. I reckon, and because it is a massive success isn't it to, to get into that position. She's going to be in the European team. She's going to be in all yeah. that. But for the Olympics, there was only one spot. And um, just to, yeah, that reframing thing. And, and, and because it was this whole TV series, I should have brought this up sooner, is geared towards me attempting a Paddy Buckley at the end, which is, you know, pushing my, abilities to these right to the limit really, you know, on paper anyway. It's, it's a hundred and six kilometre mountain run, eight thousand seven hundred meters of ascent. And um it's one of the British rounds all off 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 road it's on mountain side basically in it. So it's fell and uh, it's it's not easy to complete. So, yeah, um, I mean I've it's a lot say-
0: harder than the Bob Graham round, isn't it? It's known to be partly because of the course, partly just because you you're not going to have a team of runners and supporters in the same way you would in the Lake District, where it seems like someone's doing the Bob Graham every week almost in the summer. Um,
2: yeah, it's just if you look at the um, the, I think the best the best way to look at how difficult something is is to look at the record. I, have a look at the, well, the fastest time is. I think the Bob Graham's uh, t- t- 12 hours something, yeah. Um, the P- Paddy Buckley is two hours plus slower. So, it's two hours slower than the, the Bob Graham. So, if you're talking percentage, you know, almost 20, maybe 17% harder. Mm. Mm. Um, and then the round. It's, it's, it's the only round, British round, that you don't really have to finish it within 24 hours to be deemed a success. That's what they say. Oh, but Really? Yeah, yeah, because it, 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 it's like. Um,
0: is that what they say, up? or is that what you're now saying?
2: Shall <laughs> um, that, that. <laughs> so, so I just that? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's redefine it. That's what it is now, okay? Okay.
0: No, <laughs> okay, I don't want to reveal thing. what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think but if I was, if I I was think... a betting man, I'd bet you to do sub twenty-four.
2: I'm. I'm not saying a thing. I will say, um, it's. One of the hardest things i've ever done and mainly because one of the biggest storms i've ever been stupid enough to be out and hit within with 15 hours to go something like that. so oh. it was done in uh, well i'm stopping there or i'm going to spoil stuff but it was did, absolutely
0: did you know that was coming as well when you set off or, or did it set in at a time you weren't expecting
2: we, we we were due we were due to start the day after we moved the schedule and you know it, it, the logistics of this thing are, are incredible anyway you know you're, you're talking mm. even if you just you just had runners supporting you you've got maybe twenty people there runners and and supporters people coming driving cars here and there and everywhere then on top of it what we had was the camera crew and it was a hell of an operation you know you're talking there was four full camera crews there was people, one drone pilot there was one, uh, lo- loads of people with go- GoPros. Um, so reorganising re-or- it, which we had to do because of the storm that came in, um, we had to move it a day forward, it was uh, a nightmare. It was absolutely, we-, we had to reorganise <laughs> all the support runners, imagine, with a couple of days left. So I went from having like a good three, three support runners on each leg to having, um, it- well, at-, at one stage there was less than one. But then the good thing with runners is... You put something like they, they respond. It's an incredible community in it, really. Mm-hmm. You put something like this, any sort of like um, someone in need. Bang! Was, in the end, I had almost more runners than I had scheduled because people came out of the woodwork all over the shop. What Sam from Ultra X, You know, Sam. Oh yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. My yeah. Uh, MDS flatmate.
2: Yeah, he 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 drove up. For, for, he came up from London to, to help out on one like, the, the nastiest night leg as well, <laughs> uh, incredible. It, you know things like that. There's no words for it. It, it. It's just like so. If Sam tries it, I'm there for it. But in all of them, you know, like ev, ev- everyone, just incredible.
0: And with um, with with the added pressure I, of of things like the drone pilot, the camera crews, does that actually change how you undertake a challenge like that? Are you having to actually think about? Um, other things other than just your running and, and do you have to slow down or speed up at certain sections because you've got to get the shot
2: yeah yeah um, it, it does it does affect it. The, the the obvious things like that because i've got to speak to a camera haven't i for a bit because that's that's i've got to think about it, that that's why i'm doing it to, to a degree i'd be doing it anyway but then this stuff is to take part in this i've got to give a little bit of time and sacrifice a little bit of, of, um, of the 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 chance of completing in order to, to create a, a TV program out of and that's what I'm signing up to. So I knew that that's the little thing, but the biggest thing is the responsibility that I, I felt it beforehand and the pressure because you know you do it this. A lot of people, a lot of the pros and stuff, they don't see. A word to anyone that they're attempting a bob Grave. You know, I will kill you today. He didn't say anything, did he? Until a few days before. You yeah, heard, like, oh, he was yeah. looking for support supporters um, because it's pressure, isn't it? As soon as it's in the public domain, people are watching. People and there's pressure, and for me, it was not only the pressure of me completing it, and, and you, you're going out there on a limb, and you're saying, "Oh, I'm I'm going to give this a go." Almost like as soon as it's public, it's almost like um. You're going out there and saying, "I'm going to complete this," and then what happens? Well, I think these days,
0: there's people are so used to the formats of documentaries and TV shows that actually, I think we're due a, f- a few failures, failures, and I, and I think it makes better television because people can understand that more, and then people actually trust it because when when you see successes it does all it does to a little bit make you think well when they were moaning how bad was it or well just how hard is it to do that but when you see the failure and there's normally a very good reason or it's just because of the, the overall difficulty at least then you've got that confirmation that yeah this was this has to have all been real because they would have they could have faked the, they wouldn't fake a failure, essentially.
2: Oh, well, yeah, there is, there is nothing. Yeah, this is in horrific detail, all of this. So, um, and and they managed to cap- capture every single fall. I had every single stupid thing I do as a cameraman in my face. Imagine, <laughs> and there's a lot of that. You know, when you're up on your feet for 24 hours running, there's a lot of stupid stuff that happens in it. And every are you time, allowed
0: to swear when you're on the camera oh, there? Or?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, it, during the filming of the, the series, you know, when I go and meet people, that's mm-hmm. what I've got to watch what I say. That is that is more presenting work than it is um, doing a challenge. But once I'm doing a challenge, once I'm doing doing the actual thing, that's just me. And and I told them I I, I can't. I'm not going to hold anything back there because you know it's part and parcel, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's all real. And they can bleep yeah. it and stuff. But did they not? Yeah, I wasn't holding anything back. But back to the thing about pressure, I was. It was not just the pressure of me finishing. It was the pressure of these people's jobs are relying on me being fit to do this. So in the month leading up to it, you can imagine if I'd have done something to my knee, and has not happened shit loads of times before. You know, mm. if I'd have fallen over, if I'd have gone too hard training, or I, I, I actually stopped playing touch rugby for three months. I love touch rugby. I it's, it's absolutely incredible game. It's just like it's, I get I get my fix every Monday night after college. But then because I do sometimes pick up injuries from me, I get to stop it. I couldn't deal with the, the 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 thing of well, if I get injured now this things that's been commissioned by S4C which which is these people's jobs for a good four months. I'm not going to be able to do it. And uh, and the whole thing then is just a flop, and, and then that's the, surprisingly for me because anyway, I wasn't expecting that sort of pressure. but It just comes at you at all angles, really, and that was quite hard to to. That was the nastiest one to, to deal with.
0: And, and what's the yeah. thinking now then? Are you because I've I've seen you speak before where you're um, you've started off. Saying you're a writing journalist and you've got into that, then you're saying you're a TV person, now you're into that. Are you looking to now break out into larger, I guess, global challenges and bring on a bigger audience?
2: Oh, um, no, I'm an engineer, full stop. I, I, I do this stuff for fun, and anything that's in my path that I can do for fun, like this, is this also like um, they allow me to go and do these challenges, you know, by doing it through the telly and stuff and through these various media channels. It's just sort of like a a tool I can use to have more fun. So I've got no aspirations to do anything more than I'm doing now. Uh, It's just, uh, see what, see what comes in, whatever's in front of my nose.
0: (laughs) And and do you think this will lead to more uh, similar style challenges
2: on uh, S4C? Um, I hope so. It, it it depends completely on various factors, you know. Because there's there's a couple of people that'll decide what sort of um, series they want to uh, commission, and then mm. and then it'll depend on whether or not we what we offer lines up. Because I just don't want to do anything, anything just to just to get get on telly, or you know, I want to do things that I want to use it to do things that I really want to do. And because it's a big, everyone's got a big bucket list, in it, and I want to try and work work away through it. Um and uh and use the caffeine bullet to 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 get me there because I'm hearing (laughs) good things. Absolutely. And 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 in terms of what do you wanna do with that? What what's your aspirations? Is that is that your main goal? Or is it your podcast? What's what's Uh, the what's the sense of your work? I love the I love the podcast,
0: but we've i mean it's cost jody and i money um overall and then in terms of the uh caffeine bullet hopefully it's about to break out into service stations bars and gyms um but more more to follow on that (laughs) but um it's not about me it's not about me but um so from from the from the episodes then what would you say if if you were to advise someone who who is an ultra runner you know what what have you learned that is useful and they can put into practice in their training and how they approach races? What's been the, uh, the,
2: the, the thing that's really opened your eyes. I see, I see what you're doing here, Dave. Yeah. You, you're you, you, um, heading me off at the past. Yeah, so I don't have to phone you back later on and say, actually, Dave, I've got some useful stuff. to say. <laughs> oh, the, um, uh, okay. So the, the biggest thing is to branch out, I reckon. You, do you know, like, um, because we're in this bubble, if you're an ultra and you're obsessed with, with ultra because you have to be, really, if you mm. Because it takes so much of your time, doesn't it? Um, branch out, have a look at other sports, see what they're doing, because I learned so much just by looking at these guys, the Shaolin Monk. Uh, I, I, I didn't think I'd learn anything from him. You know, I turned up, he was dressed in a tea towel. I was like... Well, <laughs> No, this guy, but I, I come away a different person. He was an incredible man, Paul Wong. He was called. I'm just going to this guy a little bit. He, his father was the only um, Shaolin monk to survive the the civil. I don't know if it was a civil war, but there was a big war in in China um, around about seventy years ago, and he was the only South China Shaolin monk to survive. And he did that by swimming. To Hong Kong and he got picked up on a boat and and he was taken to South Africa by this boat because he was going there that, and he is the only man that um, n- uh, knew the ways of the South China Shaolin monks so he passed that on to his son who was Paul Wong and they ended up in Wrexham of all places <laughs> the, China- the Chinese takeaway um, uh, business and this this Welsh Shaolin monk is the only guy surviving guy uh, that, that knows the ways of the South China Shaolin monk. And he's a world expert in it. Now I'm a, the story behind this guy is absolutely incredible. And the man himself is, he's, he's, he's even, he was even sort of deeper. Some of the things you were saying, you know, like um, I was going in expecting like mumbo jumbo, wishy washy. And mm. I got completely opposite. And, and, and I think I'd be a hard customer to, um, to to win over, you know, I'd be critic. I'd be like, oh, I don't know, but but this guy, and and most of these people were like that, you know. So the biggest thing I've taken from this whole thing is is that is to um, branch out and to share summits with people. I reckon there's no, you, you know, like the best thing about doing a paddy Buckley is being able to run it with a posse, you know, with your mates. Is there, mm-hmm. is there anything better than being sharing a summit? You know, and uh, it, it just adds so much to it. There's no point being up there on your own. And that, that's, that's a, a big thing that keeps you going as well. So, unless you get other people involved, then your chances of success go plummet, I reckon. Not, not because of the obvious, you haven't got anyone to carry food or water for you, but, but for that reason of camaraderie and like um, you feel that feeling of letting people down, letting these guys have sacrificed their day to help you. If you don't finish, then it's kind of letting them down. It's like, yeah,
0: yeah it's a big thing um, now. I think, I think uh, that's a good message for the fun. podcast as well, just surround yourself with people, engage your community, because, uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of lonely people out there, and, and ultra running can be very lonely, as you know, um, for vast yeah. waves of it. Some of it's chosen loneliness
2: <laughs>
0: or chosen isolation, <laughs> but, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, whole hands together <laughs> <laughs> and just on the Shaolin monk then so how does he does he still practice you doing those hitting each other with bars and because in my head that's what they do they're basically um yeah orange ninjas
2: okay see orange ninjas yeah <laughs> he did he did look like you know um I used to love the uh, ninja turtles you know you know um shredder, shredder. No, no, sh- no not shredder um splinter 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 Oh, he, he just reminded me, splinter you know, like wise. He, he didn't look like a rat. He was like, but he was, he was just, yeah. He he started hitting a tree at one stage, and he was just talking to me at the same time. And it's like, this guy's cool. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. I think that's episode two. I think have a, have a look at it. Or three, I don't know. Amazing, uh, sure. And the sure. cage fighter is just as just as good. He's a hell of a cage fighter as well. He's like one of the best in the world. He's in the UFC, you know, guy from Swansea, Brett Johns, um, and and you know, completely the opposite of what I was expecting. Um, uh, really cool guy, um, amazing, yeah. Um, and the camera, one one thing as well is the logistics of filming this thing is probably more, more impressive than actually doing. The Paddy Buckley. Like, it was an absolutely incredible job. Like, the cameramen, every cameraman, you, you know, they were, they were running up these mountains, but they were lugging a shit ton of kit, and they had to get up three, four summits within, like, 12 hours, so they'd be running down, and they'd be a hell of a logistical team, because there was a tracker, and they had to pinpoint where I'd be. They'd be running up the next mountain, and four of them, four teams sort of circling around each other, and Did the they camp... Do they have to
0: train physically themselves then in preparation?
2: No, I think I think Kum Nida, the, the TV company, that S4C, uh, commissioned to do this, are uh, blessed in that they're, they're based in Snowdonia. So they've naturally, they're, they're, they've got like 60 or 70 people working for them anyway. And out of those, there's a vast majority of them are mountain goats. You know, like the, the, the guy, um, the head honcho, um, Doug's. Yeah, the guy who owns the company pretty much. He ran a leg with me. He was supporting me. N- nothing to do with like he wasn't filming or anything. He was just there as a supporter. And he's fifty and he was he was charging ahead. You know, like, and <laughs> the, the, another one, the, the guy who's um, edit um, is it oh, the only one. He's one of the one of the the main guys behind the the the, the program. He he was doing the same thing in the nastiest leg. And when the weather hit, he, he was out there. But GoPro in one hand, Lucas in the other, you know, taking me over this mountain. Um, and then whoever who was the actual, the, the guy who's cutting it all, he's a hell of a mountain bike and used to be out on a mountain. Guess I'm naming them all now. I've started, so i have going to carry on. Sorry, Dave, you just have to deal with this. <laughs> gethins, two Gethins, guessing squared, two of the fittest people, have, you know, because they were... It's essentially think, a team
0: that the whole team were were athletes by nature anyway.
2: Yeah, by nature, by fluke, you know, this, yeah. and this definitely would not have worked um, without that. Uh, Marie as well, yeah, she's she's <laughs> a hard nut. Well, I'm going to
0: cut you there. I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut you short there before <laughs> before we get through the entire credits of the, uh, the documentary.
2: <laughs> I'm um, carry on, but yeah, that's a key thing with it. is it, it, It's uh, it's worth a look behind the scenes. There's an article I think out on it. on it's made it into broadcast, which is like a, a big. Um, the big big deal for them is like a for for the media people mm-hmm. out there, and it, there's there's an article on the logistics and how they how they went about sorting this out, which is pretty impressive. And I was completely oblivious to. I was just there demanding bananas and stuff
0: again. <laughs> so, it's so other, is there any way to see it then, other than on the the BBC iPlayer? Is there anywhere online for if people are international or?
2: Um, I reckon there's so many like. You know, like tunnel bear and shit like that. Like you, you can, you can um, VPNs. Are they, I don't know if they're legal. So if they're illegal, I did not say that right now. Okay. but Yeah. Um, you, in fact, the
0: BBC iPlayer is completely free if you've got a TV license. If uh, if you're abroad, I don't think their vans are going to come round and uh, and charge you a fine. So yeah, VPN,
2: BBC iPlayer. And what was the name of the show again? Um, it's forty-seven C O P A. And it means petwa dixith, copper. It means forty-seven summits. Um, if you just put my name, Hugh Jack Brassington, in that, it'll come up. So, so
0: don't I, think, think of Hugh, Hugh Jackman, but the Welsh version essentially, Hugh Jack Brassington. Yeah. So it's kind of the same. But um, well, mate, thank you so much for coming on to tell us about that. We've <laughs> we've we've got it. We've got another guest to come now. I've no idea who it's going to end up being, though, because of the way the next few weeks of recording is going to be. But what we'll do, we'll put your, um, your episode link underneath the podium in the show notes. And uh, yeah, do badders, as let us know what you think. Get watching and we'll,
1: uh, we'll pass your feedback on to you. Okay, dude, Badders, now we've got a really interesting interview for you um, that's going to be even more interesting, considering Ali and I um, have uh, such an expert understanding about OCR. Um, But if you recall, a few weeks ago, we discussed uh, the controversy around the Spartan uh, 4.0 group and the banning of an individual for inappropriate behaviour. And apparently this is kind of like the tip of the iceberg. So um, that article came out in October. And just after the um, the person who was responsible for, for going into the deep investigation around that um, reached out to us. And so we have got him on today. So please welcome Obstacle Racing Media's Matt B. Davis.
3: Yay! Yeah. So first of all, you should know that I am a bit of an Anglophile, so I enjoy hearing words like controversy.
1: Oh, lovely. lovely. Well, how, how you... you, oh, controversy, yeah, yeah.
3: In, in America, we say controversy.
1: Well, I'm sure Dave, David, David mispronounces everything, so I'm sure- No, know it's, much better. Better. It's, it's much better.
3: It's much better the way you guys say it. It's much better, it sounds, it sounds it more- sounds,
4: It sounds controversial, that's what it sounds. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's onomatopoeic.
3: <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you I appreciate you making this happen. I know it's uh, is it is it 9 p.m. there? It's 8. It's
1: 8:23 as we speak. Okay. It's very it's very very late for me and it's about what are you about 49 hours on from from your last sleep Ali?
4: Yeah, yeah, sort of. I've been travelling for the last 48 hours on various from,
1: where?
4: from Namibia, from the desert. <laughs>
1: She ran it. She ran all the way back. That was the
4: problem. What should have. I, I would have been quicker.
3: What was in Namibia?
4: Um, a big desert full of sand and um, about 40 people and a race, which, we were helping to, which I was helping to organise. And then we had a massive party on Saturday night to celebrate our epic adventure. And then I was told that at two o'clock in the morning, a car was coming to take me to the airport to get on the flight home, which meant I got absolutely no sleep. And uh, here I am now.
3: What's the endurance the, uh,
4: athlete, Ali Bailey. <laughs> what's the what's the uh, race? So it's called this is great. It's called race to the wreck and uh it is a race across <laughs> the and, uh, and
1: then you were a wreck as you raced away from it as yeah, well. Yeah, I was.
4: Race <laughs> to become a wreck. So it goes across the Namib Nookluft Park, which runs from uh, west to no east to west and it's a this park you're not allowed in it no one's allowed in it it's, it's government owned and uh, it's the it's the oldest desert on earth so it's five days two days on a bike uh, three days running or just five days running and you go and run to the wreck of the edward bolan which is that massive boat um that's that's been wrecked on the outside of it and it's pretty epic but it's hard work i'll tell you that much
3: so i just quickly looked and it says connected to rat race so do you work for rat race
4: oh sometimes Work is a funny word, isn't it? But yeah, I am. I, I, I do work with Rat Race quite closely. I'm Rat Race's uh, ambassador, so um, I go out and help people, tell them to grow a vagina, as I say, and get on with it when they're crying in the desert. But no one was crying in the desert, and it was great, and everybody na- nailed it, so it was brilliant. Only two people had dehydration and sunstroke, so we got away with
3: it. Right. Well, so doesn't, wait, so doesn't Pete work there?
4: Yeah, Pete. Yeah, Pete used to work there. Pete's freelance now. Uh, but but if you
3: know Pete, how can you know
4: nothing about OCR? Well I was Pete with is Pete. OCR. I was with Pete yesterday or the day before, can't remember, sitting in a bar in Windeck Airport, talking about you and talking about OCR and he did do some explaining to me. Okay. Um but he knows that I'm a simple creature and he knows that I'm ne- you're never going to find me swinging from some monkey bars because my arms are like wet spaghetti. So um, he just doesn't talk to me about it, really. All I ever see from Pete about OCR is his musical t-shirt and that's it. But Pete's great. We've we had, love Pete. This is, let's this
1: is, <laughs> you know, say we don't know anything about OCR. We've had Pete on twice talking about OCR and we still don't think we know anything about OCR. All right,
3: so, <laughs> so, let's, so, let's, so let's break it down a little bit. So first of all, you could sort of think of me as an American Pete, although Pete is sort of well-loved by everyone, and I'm more of the, you either really like me or really hate me kind of person. So um, that's, you understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. You're on the right podcast.
3: Yeah. Right? (laughs) Which is why I liked you guys, when somebody said, uh, I'd heard of you, I've heard of your show, and I might have listened to one way back, but then someone said, "Hey, they talked about you a bit," um, and I went and listened. I was like, "Oh yeah, I like these guys." So obstacle racing as a whole, you know, we're sort of, you know, we're sort of the, you know, the bad boy running, if you will, for the people that just run street five k's, right? They think we're a little wacky, right? Not quite there. But, of course, in our sport, as there are in all things, you've got people who take it far too seriously. You've got people who think they're Instagram models. You've got people who just do it for fun. You've got some elite athletes who you know are great. So I started Obstacle Racing Media as a podcast back in 2012 because it seemed like a fun thing for me. I started doing this thing. It seemed really fun. This thing being Spartan races, Tough mutters running in the mud, over walls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I've, I've sort of in many ways, right place, right time, right? So I started just as OCR was happening and I got a pod. I was one of the first ones to have a podcast about it. So a lot of it is is good timing and I believe I'm pretty talented, right? I'm good at what I do and so therefore – uh I I do what you know you know people now really love this term content creator, um, which I hate. So people ask me what I do, and I'm just like, well, I talk to people, I write things, I make videos. And so that's what I do for the obstacle world. Uh much like Pete did over there, I turned it into a business. Um, although Pete did a much smarter thing than I did in that he really rallied a community around him. Um and I didn't necessarily do that uh, because I think everyone, that's, again, I think, like, as you learn, as you guys have, you have a community, right? Mm-hmm. People yeah. that are your tribe, they wear your brand, people recognize each other by, like, hey, we enjoy taking the piss or whatever the brand is.
4: They recognize um, each other by swearing loudly at each other in public places. But, yeah.
3: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, that's does that help some? Does that catch you up some? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, how do how do you kind of go then
1: from the um, transition? Because, you know, if, if you're kind of like that for us, how do you go from a transition between um, doing what you do to then going and doing this kind of like investigative piece of work that led all the way to, to, to where we
3: are now? Yeah. So, back, even back in 2012, 2013, we started having some like charlatans, like races that were not quite up to snuff. Or there was one race that actually wasn't paying people, a race that offered to pay people and wasn't paying uh, like the winners or the vendors. Yeah. And it was this thing that like everybody talked about, but nobody really like put out there. And I was like, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be the news and information about this sport, like, I think I'm going to be the one to do this, and so, um, you know, just as we'll get to this current story, I was liked by many and hated by many. Oh, you're you're just trying to bring them down. You're just trying to get clicks, like all this stuff. And um, interestingly enough, in the first in the first few months of it, a lot of people got really upset. And then later, when this guy turned out to close up shop and owe even more people money, they were like, oh, I guess you were right. So, sadly, in my industry, there is no one like me. Everyone is just like, let's all be best friends because they're afraid it's going to cost them money or access, right? Um, which, by the way, I realized goes all the way up to, you know, not to compare myself, but, you know, if you're familiar with the National Football League, which is the this gazillion-dollar sport, yeah, and all the networks – Kind of don't really say much when stuff happens. Like ESPN is in bed with the NFL, so mm-hmm. when stuff happens, they're like they look the other way or they don't really report on it. Or you know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, do you know what? That's that's quite interesting because I've worked in the music industry for a long time. There is a point to this, and one of the reasons I got out of it was because of this whole politics thing where no one ever told the truth and it was always like smoke and mirrors. Then I come to work in running, and it's the same thing. Like with the trail running community like you're saying with the OCR community there is stuff that goes on but no one actually talks about it, the the darker stuff and the bad stuff and it's like oh yeah isn't the running community really really great but it's like actually like anything, like any community anywhere there's always going to be a couple of bad apples in it um, and everyone, everyone knows who they are, that's the thing. Yeah.
1: Like, we know who they are, everyone knows that. All the race directors know who they are. And mm-hmm. like, why? But so why is no one saying that and telling consumers and runners who they are? Because, well, because of the politics, because the, the thing is, there's so many things tied to, to you know, the, the success
3: of their races or, or, or mm-hmm. perceived success of their races. Usually it comes down to dollars, and I'm certain that I could have made a lot more money you know, I guess there, it's in some senses it's good that I'm the only one who does it because I can be the one who does it and not have a competition for it. But in the other times, I do wish that more people would come along and and you know call a spade a spade and and you know help keep people more honest.
1: Do you think? Do you think because OCR doesn't have the same like? Uh, type of associations that maybe it, it, like the running community have had for a long time and because it, it's a relatively like newcomer on the, on the block uh, that actually and and it very very quickly you know rose to, to, to getting so much attention do you think that that's probably what attracted so many charlatans or do you think it's it's just similar to, to pretty much everything else it's just it's much more open well yeah
3: I mean 2012 13 14 people looked at the you know, millions that were being made by Spartan, Tough Mudder, and Wager Dash. And they were like, I own a piece of property. I can have a race. And I think it was everybody from people who thought they would put on a good race and then were bad at it to people who flat out lied and like literally did not put on a race. Like, wow. Kringle, There was a guy I remember. <laughs> I, I can for say, a Fire I,
4: Festival, but for OCR. This is amazing. Worst.
3: Worse. I can send you links to articles I wrote. There was a guy who. The address he listed for the site was a uh, Target parking lot. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. But he could and... have said
4: that was part of the event. Like part of the event is to actually find out where the event actually is. And right. then just to a Target
1: parking lot. To be fair, it's like a, t- a party. That sounds like the start of an ultra. It does. Right.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so th- this guy had all these races listed, and and we called him out on it. And I think you know, and I say we because the community has has like. Helped because they they do their part and they comment and they say it as well and they share it with their friends and I think we the community have have shut a lot of people down who otherwise would have done more damage. Um, to,
4: to be quite frank, it's dangerous, isn't it? Like, if, if do you guys actually have like a governing body of any no, sort?
3: No, 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 no.
4: So it's like it's actually dangerous. Anybody can just go, I've got a couple of barrels, a tractor, and a muddy pond in my back garden. I'm going to start an OCR race.
3: Yeah, and sadly, those that have tried to make an organization are also slimy themselves. Like, we're going to be the governing body. And people are like, well, who the fuck are you? And, you know, it's a brand new sport in many ways. You know, it's like seven, eight years old, maybe 10. And I know it'll all figure itself out, but it hasn't yet. One of the biggest reasons is um the biggest brands don't play well with each other they think they're the sport and so why do i need to you know work with this guy whereas things like you know just regular rail running or all the other sports seem to find that pretty quickly like well hey we need to somehow work together to make this part of the greater good um but even then you know as you know there's there's still horrible politics and whatever
4: yeah uh, but every at every level I guess it's the same like with trail running I mean I can only talk from a UK level but with the trail running community they all seem generally to get along because they're all doing the same thing but they're all doing it differently and they all have their own like USP type thing so it's kind of like they all can trot along together but with OCR is it different because there seems to be it all seems in my head an OCR is an OCR there'll be some monkey bars a bit of fire a load of bros with their numbers written on their faces and that's it So, you know, do you you find that within that community? Do people kind of get, be like, this is my bit of turf, you can all fuck off? Or do they work together to kind of be like Spartan, do it differently to Tough Mudder, to whoever else?
3: Right. So what you just described is what a lot of people think. And that's just, that's like saying, well, you know, you're a runner, you must only eat, you know, vegan food and you do yoga and you look at your watch for every, you know, step and... Right, I'm guessing that's not you. That's right?
4: actually Jody. you just I, described I, I, Jody.
3: <laughs> so, so, so yes, the you know there's there's a lot of there's definitely is some uh, bros, and then there's some uh, people who uh, you know signed up for a race one day and had this amazing experience of challenging themselves, and usually met a group of people they really like. You know, it usually is the community that sort of keeps it all together. I know that word again gets thrown around a lot, but, you know, people travel to these races, you know, really far and they're doing it with their friends, you know? Mm -hmm. They're carpooling, I don't know if you know this, but America is a very large country. So to get from one point to the other takes a really long time. Mm -hmm. So people are, you know, riding in cars together or, you know, staying at hotels or whatnot. So, you know, I I would say that, you know, like none of my friends are bros, but there's definitely some bros in there and there's some very douchey people in there. And uh, it's actually getting better. Like people are starting to be a little bit more vocal and saying, hey, I think that guy is kind of a douche. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and that used to never happen. Um, Everyone was just afraid of whatever. Um, But, yeah, the biggest brands for the most part are very, you know – very much about their own thing. And the smaller brands kind of do what you said, where, hey, we're all kind of trying to do the same thing. Um, so, in ter- so in terms of the brands, okay, so this is, like, this is, I think I find this really interesting, because, you know, you, you
1: have those kind of brands, and they, and they, you know, you say that they don't kind of interact with each other. How... How much do they like drive the the sport? Then is it about you know like for example like the communities that are built um, and you know or, or do they kind of leave it? I, I I don't know how much like brand control they have over um, what people who purport to represent them on a community level do, which I think will will kind of lead into to to, to the things that you. you well, I just- mean, you get
3: right. So if you if the word Spartan gets used for everything, right? If I use the word Spartan uh, in a video title or a podcast title, it'll probably get more downloads just from the fact that people are looking for things called Spartan. What is
4: Spartan? What is it? Is it a race company? Is it type of race? What is it?
3: So Spartan Race is one of the first big, so these, okay, so the first three big companies were Warrior Dash, Mm -hmm. which is sort of the big fun mud party, right? three miles like 10 obstacles it's more about the beer afterwards than the race right right sign me so up that, for that get, one get rid of the obstacles you so that's, got a great that's that there. that wacky hat right there right that's the that's the warrior dash right
4: okay we like that that's
3: great okay and then the next one that's big one that started was tough mudder and tough mudder was like you might not finish this thing it's 10 miles long we're going to electrocute you 10 Uh, miles who can run 10 miles that's crazy but there's that's what i thought too the first time i did it but there's no there's no it's not competitive you help your friends over the big walls and it's a really good time but when you're done you're going to be like wow that was hard so that's i'm giving you the broadest strokes possible yeah Yeah. and spartan was like there's a timing right you're going to be timed and if you fail an obstacle like tough mutter, you fall you fail an obstacle, you fall in the water. no big deal. Ha ha ha. Now I'm cold and wet, let me keep going. In Spartan, if you fail the obstacle, you have to do burpees.
1: Oh I've heard about this this burpees uh, people not doing burpees right being exactly. a big
3: issue. Exactly. It's the stupidest <laughs> thing in the world, yet it is a driving factor in a, in the sport that pays the most money, has the most races, somebody just won $20,000 for winning the championship in Tahoe second place was 15 oh, men and women this is a lot of money
4: oh and, hang on a minute and- I need to start retraining <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, so I mean, that's- we, we always talk
1: David and I always talk about um, like the money in sport and how like OCR comes along brand, oh, you know, brand new kind of sport and everything and all of a sudden boom you've got these like huge huge payouts whereas you know you win an ultra, you get a wheel of cheese If you at best Perhaps a buckle
3: yeah, But yeah. The, I, the irony with that though Is that while it does make a lot Compared to road running None of our athletes are making a living Like there's four people who make a living on OCR Like who don't have a job Like I know them, right And everyone else still has to work their day job um, Again, they're traveling all over the country To, to get to these races, right um, So it's a fascinating little world um, I'm glad to be a part of it. I still love it. I don't race competitively for the most part. I do it for fun. Like I, I do, I do what's called a media lap, uh, which is you know I do social. Um, you know I'll do GoPro. I'll run it with friends for fun. will some things we'll try multiple times to video it. Sometimes I'll skip something. Um, and then you know I've got a few like a races a year that I want to do really well, and so. Uh, if you've done 150 something obstacle races like i have uh, you might want to try something else so like i'm trying to PR a half marathon right now i got a race on thanksgiving i'm that's like the most excited i've been in a long time um, cuz i'm trying to mix it up you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so do you with the with the, like the different types
1: of um, uh, brands then do they attract different people within the communities and, do, and does that play a part yes. in terms of um, the things you know the kind of things that have happened
3: Yeah, so so there's always brand loyalty in anything, right? And specifically, people who who are Kool-Aid drinkers, right? Um, Cult members, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah we're aware of those.
3: <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, no, who likes – no one likes anyone who's – what's the word? Um, not fa- fanatical. Uh, fundamental. Fundamental? I don't know Fundamental.
1: what yeah. Fundamentalist, yeah.
3: Maybe, whatever that word is. And, you know, so Spartan has a lot of that, because they're the biggest one. Yeah. Um, Spartan, like, there's all these great groups online that get started, right, much like yours and many others that I'm sure you're a part of. Spartan came along and started these regional groups, and they're the biggest ones, and... Uh, it's just a lot of silliness, right? Because it's all—it's always like the brand just promoting themselves. Like, what's your favorite? This and you know, uh, people who just live and die by Spartan, and it—it it changed their life and blah blah blah.
4: Do you think, right? That just going off off piece that these people. I find this in the ultra running community, there are people in that, a lot of them, who've had mental illnesses or struggles and they find this thing and they grab onto it and they like cling onto it and it becomes their entire life. But ultimately they weren't very well to start off with and it kind of just exacerbates it because they've got a platform, usually a Facebook group um, or a Facebook community where they can just live and breathe this whole thing. Do you find a similar thing in in obstacle course racing where you get these people that are completely brainwashed?
3: I mean, listen, you find a lot of people, a lot of folks who've had a hard time. And I think this might this might lead into our, you know, the, the big controversy. You know, you're late 30s, early 40s. Your life's falling apart. You're in a loveless marriage, you know, men or women. And all of a sudden, here's these like-minded people, and they lift you up and you're physically active and like, this is amazing. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, But I think what I found is that people do that for two to four years, then they move on to something else. Mm. They, well, I'm gonna try CrossFit, I'm gonna try Ultra, I'm gonna not do anything, right? Um, You know, if you look, if I look at older pictures obstacle racing pictures from 2012, 2013, 2014. I'm the only one who's still in the sport, usually.
1: Mm -hmm. And then in terms, so in terms of like when the communities were like being set up and they were were growing, where's... Because you you were speaking to people really really on really early on about um, these kind of things coming to um, coming about and and issues within it were there were there kind of any patterns did you think like you know when a group got to a certain size then you know th- there were some elements of bullying or if, you know there were certain you could always tell with certain types of things were there with did the, the kind of the, were the seeds planted and you could kind of see this kind of thing happening or was. Or was
3: it something that kind of emerged suddenly? Well, I think, you know, now you're talking about the psychology of Facebook groups as a whole. And I've been a part of several, some that I've started myself, many that I've just been a part of. And you know, you're always going to find people that say, well, this group was certainly much better when there were 20 people in it, right? It's like... Oh my God,
4: we get that all the time. We get bad boy running has changed. And we're like, no, we haven't. (laughs) But it's just just because now we have to admin a bit better because we've got nearly 3,000 members of a group. So you've got to admin a bit better, right?
3: Right. Well, and that's the thing is I'm... So I'm a firm... I have a very simple policy for my... um, The group that I'm... One of the... So... The same time that I started my business, I started this local group called Georgia Obstacle Racers. Um, And um, Sorry, I'm hearing yelling in the background. I think it's my children. Um, And for me, it's like, if it's not uh, porn or hate speech, it's fine, right? Um, And you never delete anybody's stuff if somebody, if something's going on, you have a question about the first thing you do is reach out to them and ask them. And Mm -hmm. then if they won't take it down, you delete it. And then if they continue that behavior, then maybe you say, okay, we're going to now sit you out of the group. And I have seen groups where you say one wrong thing and they kick you out. And it's like, what what just happened? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think that, um, you know, it's, you know, groups, you know, they just, they're, they're like a living thing, right? A community is like it, it takes on a certain tone, and like there's certain groups that die, and uh, they become uh, what I call just blog graveyards. Nobody's using them except that the same two or three people are just posting their blogs there, thinking mm-hmm. that they're going to get thinking that they're going to get read. Yeah, and then it's like, all right, well, let's save the group. Let's and a few people try, and it doesn't really go because if it's not active, it's not active. So. You know that that George Obstacle Racing Group is five thousand members. Um, there's not, you know, it's not an overwhelming amount of activity, but it's a good, it's a healthy amount. These Spartan groups have fifteen to twenty thousand, and it's people just, you know, a lot of new people constantly getting added with the same questions all the time, and it's it's not really or it's Spartan saying, you know, a rude Tuesday, post your favorite obstacle. It's like—is that really a healthy group? It's really just a big advertisement for Spartan, right?
4: Yeah, do you know what? I joined one of them because uh, I do actually do my research, Jody. So I joined one of them when I was yeah, before. Jody, <laughs> Jody. Yeah. Um, I have
1: done. I have done. I've done loads of research here. It's just I don't talk about it. All oh, right, personal okay. Interviewer.
4: All right, uh, but I joined one of the groups, and there are so many updates. Like literally, my entire Facebook feed is like spot 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 and i had to unjoin it because i was like it's too much i just can't deal with this at all
3: right exactly exactly so um i don't i honestly don't think it's about um you know so interestingly enough do you know what discord is yeah so we have a discord that was started by a friend of mine and it's it's become sort of an offshoot of our podcast Um, i don't i don't know what this is what's discord can you explain it
4: can I explain it? I know what the word Discord means. Are you talking about a different type of Discord? <laughs> Discord is an app. Oh, oh, I don't know about this. This is new.
3: Discord is an app. It's essentially uh, a group, usually in the gaming world, because they have like there's some like audio components to it. Yeah. Um, and we started it, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of people who listen to the podcast, so the conversations there tend to be conversations we had on our show. And um, it's one, 200 members, and it's up to 500 now. And I've said since the beginning, listen, it's awesome now. It feels like the early days of those OCR Facebook groups, but we know it's coming. You can't keep it out, right? Eventually, someone is going to attack somebody. People are going to start getting whatever. You know what I mean? Like It's funny because we actually – the 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 show I do with my friend is is called Obstacle Discourse, um, uh, That's so, so clever. Obstacle know, right?
4: Discourse. We need to be more clever.
3: Me, those we I mean, called it Bad Boy see.
4: Rambling instead of Bad Boy Running. <laughs> bad Boy Rambling—that
3: would be. That's really good. Obstacle yeah, Discourse so. with Davis and Chase, <laughs> and so we. Um, I like some good healthy discourse, like. Come on, this guy is not better than this guy, or this rule is stupid. Like a lot of good, but then occasionally, you know, this is this is sort of my example of where this hasn't happened yet, but it is coming. Where okay, uh, uh, Jody, let's say. By the way, in, in my country, it's a bit of a girl's name, Jody.
4: Yes, it, it's Bil- a bit Bil- of a girl's name in this country as well, and which, which Bil- Mrs. Jody Rainsford does know a lot about that from the post that she gets.
3: <laughs> so, he has, by the way, no reaction whatsoever to what I'm saying. Um, anyway, so, I see Jody comment, and then, you, this is when you know it's gone too far, when somebody's like, oh, well, Jody." I saw gardening in your profile, so clearly you're a homosexual, right? Like somebody just completely that up- happens all the time as well. And a vegan, right? They they right make it completely personal. It's yes. just the the worst things about Facebook, and um, I never say Facebook is evil or social media is evil because it's people behind these things, and just like everything else, there's really good and there's really bad in everything. Um, but anyway, I should um. Uh, I should join your groups and spend time with them and we could I could probably we could probably learn from each other maybe I don't know
1: oh, I don't know if you're going to learn anything from our group hey, I mean it's you're probably uh, be really confused Yes, yeah, exactly I know that's the, that's the thing we don't post anything in it we just let them post anything it, it kind of works it's quite quite good like that the, 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 the difference though between like a normal Facebook group though and um, with this is that there is that it's unusual in the sense that and it's the same like with running groups is that there is an offline element to it as well so people are obviously meeting up and, right. you know, and then they're having conversations back online. And so there's that that interaction, which I imagine is, is kind of, you know, you, you have the opportunity to talk anonymously to people. But then you also have the problem is that you might need to see them face to face. And that also causes other other issues as well so it's it it is slightly different from like normal normal facebook groups i mean it's a bit weird like even even with you know bad boy running communities like when you actually see other people for real it's you kind of just you you kind of all wonder why you're there you're like oh like you know you said you know late 30s early 40s i think that's a pretty accurate description of a lot of a lot of the people who come out on like utdb events and 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 things like that um, but it does have it does have that interaction between going off almost you know going offline and interacting with people and then coming back online and then it will kind of feeling a little bit cliquey and a little bit you know you, you you definitely find groups within that 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 i don't think help the community at all
3: oh i mean listen i think sometimes it's helped for the better because you see somebody at the race and you go i'm gonna see this guy all the time i've I should probably not just hate them online. Maybe talk to them, and I know I've done that a few times. Um, and then there's some people that I, I could apologize for saying something, or, but still not be like best friends with you, right? Um, you know, in terms of being like, you know, like clicky, like in that in that in that obstacle group I told you about. You know, we would have some. Usually, everybody sees somebody at the race in, in America. They do this thing. I think Spartan started it where if you have the biggest team, the most members, like it started out like because they assumed it was like a gym, right? You get your own little tent area maybe to give you a free beer ticket. So that becomes a thing. And then the smaller races just let you bring a tent. They kind of don't care like if you're the biggest or whatever. Just everybody brings a tent. It makes it like, because they want you to spend time in the festival area, right? So um, oh, what was I saying? Um, oh, so we've seen people we, we've seen people post in the group and say well you know i came to a race or i came to one of the gatherings and nobody talked to me and i'm like well i, I can't teach you how to make friends that's not my my job here online and mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you're an adult you have to go up to people you don't know and introduce yourself uh because everybody there has been there a while so they are in fact a click air quotes because they know each other so mm-hmm. but we had some people who were like, well, let's let's get a welcoming committee and give them shirts. And so they did all that. And, it, you know, I think people liked it. I didn't care. I'm like, if you guys want to do that, great. Like, I don't care. Um, but uh, but yeah.
1: And so do you when when you have these groups and you've got these different people who are essentially um, admins or leading the groups and everything, how much because i just want to try and work out really what were the conditions for what happened happening in the sense that people turning a blind eye you know was it a case of you know when because the, the first thing i think you were talking about was that there were elements of, of, of kind of um uh, bullying and and things like that going on which later then further allegations around all the all the me too uh, right. stuff so what what were Were the conditions there for that to happen by the fact that, you know, because these groups were so big and because
3: brands were taking a, you know, sort of a blind eye to it? Right. So it's a couple factors. One is anytime someone is given a modicum of quote unquote power, it can go wrong. If that, like, we've all worked for bad managers, right? Like, this person was given a managerial job because they've been there the longest, not because they have any skills, right? Mm-hmm. Not because they know the ins and outs of people, right? So someone gets a job, a thing, and it becomes like super cool, right? They have some form of, right? It's the same reason that, uh, that you know, brands can get people to, you know, flood their Instagram feed with garbage because they feel like, hey, I'm an ambassador for this you know, I feel special, even though we, you and I know they're not special because there is no value to it, right? Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, this guy, and it was really this guy because there's other, there were other admins, but this one guy, uh, I'm gonna say his name as little as possible, honestly, because it's like that's where I'm at with it. Like I just don't even want to fucking say his name. This one guy was known to sort of delete anything, forget, forget any kind of sexual, just anything about the group. And was he like the was, only admin? Was there not a group well, of admins? No, but they all sort of bowed to him for whatever oh, reason. Right. Don't ask me why. But, um, and when it was brought up, it was, oh, well, that's because our group is positive and we don't allow negativity. And one time I asked, I, I, I asked this question, right? I literally asked this question, which I thought was really well thought out. I was like, hey, let's talk about this because I'm, I'm a member of this group, this group, and this group. Which have been around for five years, have thousands of members. Many times we go back and forth on opinions or ideas, and even the admins themselves like, like look at their behavior. How come this group is? Why? Why is this group not able to do that? That comment was deleted. What a surprise! <laughs> so, so that's just that's just a control freak fucking maniac, right? Now you've got this going on. And then you start to hear and or see this guy is sending dick pics to people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I saw them. They're real. Right. And then it went to a little bit of, um, well, it's actually, it's actually worse. He's, he's kind of a predator to this guy. And um, first of all, he's he's married and with kids, and it's just it's not really a good look. It's not very and...
4: positive, is it? It's not a very positive message <laughs> for this positive
3: group. It seems quite negative to me. So um, then it, it, it became so like obvious, like that you could you couldn't delete it fast enough. Um, that it... oh, and the group as a whole had this sort of like over sexual vibe. Which, on its own, is like adults being adults, right? It was a lot of, like, topless Tuesday pictures, right? Um,
4: I've got to say, if there's any topless Tuesday pictures in BBR, I would delete them. <laughs> Mainly because I've right. met half of the group. Male and female. Unless it was Matt Simpson, they'll be deleted. <laughs> Male and female.
3: <laughs> but this was a thing, right? Again, like, a lot of, you know unhappily married or divorced people and it's like if that's what you want your group to be about go for it plenty of that online right but then some people were like not really my vibe I'm gonna leave right and uh, meanwhile this guy you know at every chance he gets talks about how many members they have how they always win biggest team how they're so you know how they're so supportive and so amazing and everybody knows this guy's a fucking creep so it gets to be so much that the story starts to be like well well His wife did find out, but now he's clean and everything's good, and he made a mistake, and it's no big deal, right? And then, you know, it didn't take very long for that to, you know, quickly be like, he's still at it. He's still at it. So uh, this woman, people start to message me about it. I couldn't tell you exactly when, but the woman in the story uh, who gave me her name, uh, Kirsten, somebody said I should reach out to her, or she reached out directly to me. And she said, you know, I have a story to tell you. And we didn't talk on the phone. She would she would text me what happened. And she texted me that story that you read in that article, that horrifying story. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. I just, I literally was like, I mean, I believed it, but I was like, it like, it hurt me. Like my gut was like wrenching to hear a woman like type this out to me. Um, and at the time, <clears throat> I knew that if I only printed that story, that's like a he said, she said thing. There's not much I can do. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get other women to cooperate. because I knew there were women who talked about creepy behavior. I knew there were the two women who he stole the group from because that was a whole nother thing that, again, a lot of people knew and it was hushed about. You know, he didn't even start the group. He bullied these fucking women. He took the group and then threatened them and all this really horrible stuff. And no one would go in the record. And so I'm like, I can't, I can't do much. And another, like, you know, year or so went by and uh, they, were, they were given this award. They were given this, like, award for being the best team for something. And honestly, it just kind of, like, was, like, enough is enough.
4: I just right? don't understand. Where is everybody else in this? Like, where is everybody else? There's no one else, is there? It's just this, this one guy. And he just, no one's calling him out. No one's actually going, oh, hang on a minute. Talking no, they to are. Him.
3: They're being deleted. They're being deleted and kicked out of the group.
4: But they're not being deleted in real life where are they in real, like why are they not together in real life like we all have to get together and do something about this are
3: they just terrified well, of him well i mean how, how how do how do people how do predators keep a job for 20 years i mean how did harvey weinstein do what he did for 20 years exactly so um so i started rounding up people and talking how,
1: how did you how did you do that? Because that's not an easy thing to do. Is it just through hearing about stuff and? and
3: well, inside it... a Facebook group. <laughs> well, p- p- part of it is you know me saying that I've been doing it for a long time. People know they can trust me. Yeah. Um, and. Um, so, that's what I did. I just said, "Listen, I think we can really do something if we can all get together and make this happen." And I certainly talked to far more people than the story allowed because there were people that, I mean, the people that didn't want to go on the record, there were people whose, you know, quotes or facts were fuzzy and I just, I went with what I had. But I knew there's no way I'm going to do this because, you know, I just don't like this guy. Like, like it's, it's, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do that, right? I would be risking a lot to my own family. Yeah. And so uh, I wrote it. And then uh, Spartan was saying that they were going to do something because everyone's like, oh, they knew too, and they didn't do anything. And it's like, well, I don't know what they means. Like, what do you mean? Like, people are like, oh, Spartan like likes the group too much. They like all the money they're getting and all this conspiracy theory shit that I didn't go for. I was Have like, you
4: actually spoken to anyone at Spartan, like, directly about it and, and had, you know, them say, yeah, we definitely we knew because this happened and that happened? Or is it no, no, just I, like I,
3: people saying I, someone sh- Someone showed me an old email from someone in their legal department from like three years ago, but that person's gone. So, I mean, I'm not gonna spend time chasing that because what's the point?
4: Right?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, the point is, if Spartan hadn't done the right thing, I might have, but I've said this many times. If Spartan just said, we're looking into it, this guy would still be doing it today. But when Spartan says you are banned from our race, he's, he's done because you can't keep being in a group where uh, you're the guy, You know, his whole mode of operandus was to message people as soon as they got in the group and be like, hey, you wanna go for a run? You wanna do this, you wanna do that? It's like, who are you? Oh, I'm the guy banned from all the races for being a sexual predator, you know what I mean? So once they banned him, that was sort of the death knell for him. And um, it was great because it's what needed to happen.
1: And how so? How quickly did they do that after? So
3: what then? Your, your article came out, and you, did did you warn them about the article? Or, or? I, well, I actually did, because I have a longstanding relationship with them and, and their PR team, and I just said, listen, you need to know this thing is coming. So I'm 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 printing it on Friday. So
1: and did they try to stop it at all?
3: No. Um, again, because it because it's like I just I think I my. I have a really good reputation. Like I've, I get my facts. You know what I mean? Um, Do you know what? It's not
4: like he's an employee of theirs. It's not. Like he's a, there's a direct. It's gonna come out, isn't it? And it's better for them to just go. Okay. Well, we'll. we'll... But the thing is, they're being reactive. They're not being proactive. And they're yeah. not going. Oh shit! This has happened. If this is happening like in a group as big, you know, as big as a Spartan is, it, it's hap- it, it must be happening more. It doesn't seem, have they put anything in place to stop to stop this sort of thing? Well, again, again, it's
3: not, listen, this is, like you said, he's not an employee. It's a Facebook group, right? I'm sure that they've had some HR talks in the last month. I'm sure it's probably done, you know, a lot of good for that. And that's great. Um, but, you know, the only thing that's left is like when they give away this award for the most people that signed up, you know, they can continue to give it to this group. Can they take it away from them? Can they say we're not going to acknowledge your group? Because mm-hmm. people have said the group isn't rotten. There's thousands of good people in it. And I'm sure mm-hmm. there is. But it was just really ugly because the people at the top didn't do anything either, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, I, I know he's like not an employee, but if I if I thought that someone was doing something similar to to our brand... Um, you know, you'd think well, it, it does. It, it's incredibly damaging, but you wouldn't like
3: to think that there were people who. If you know, I are... started, but if I started a bad boy running Facebook group in Facebook, and then I started doing all kinds of shit, you'd be like, I can't control that guy.
1: Oh, but, but, but you'd, you'd, you'd work. You'd work pretty hard to, to discredit them, wouldn't you, on the outside?
4: I've seen this happen in the UK with small. Trail running companies, right? Where you've got a guy, and when this happened, I was like, because it was my favourite, White Star. I'm sure Andy won't mind mentioning it was White Star. I dealt with it very, very well. But I'm like this guy that comes to all these races. I had absolutely no idea that he was going home and sending dick pics to basically most of the women in the group, but women he'd hand selected who wouldn't have a gob on them, which is why I never got one. I'm sure because I would have literally put it back into the group in public and been like, look what I've just been sent from this person. But when it happened. This guy was removed, his name was not mentioned, obviously, because you've got to have those kind of legal bits in place, um, and Andy, the race director for White Star, said, if anybody ever has anything like this happen to them, you come direct to me, and that group's got, it's small in comparison to Spartan, it's got maybe five, 6,000 members, but it's growing all the time, but it, he really did stand up, like, put his face out there and went, if it happens, tell me, or tell Gemma, or tell Joe, or tell somebody in the office that it's happening to you, and, and we'll just put a caution on it immediately i don't think have spartan said anything since saying i know that he's not an employee but he, but he is by association a representative of their brand whether they pay him or not or they want him to be or not but have they actually said we're putting the these this duty of care list in place to try and help other people out or have they just kind of gone oh well we, he's not he's not related to us anymore we will just put him over there and that'll be the end of it
3: yeah i mean that's that's pretty much it but again i don't expect them to like i mean listen Spartan's a worldwide brand and you can, anybody can start a. I could start a group tomorrow called Spartan 4.0 or Spartan, whatever, or Joe DeSena's favorite group or any, you can call yourself anything you want. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily think they had to, they, they, other than not acknowledge them as a group, they could say, you need to rename yourself and start over somewhere else. And then we can acknowledge if you win an award, I mean, that's the only thing I can maybe think they would do.
4: I think that, but I think there's more to it than this, like in that, it's, it's well it's everywhere basically the whole Me Too thing is everywhere as a person that's worked in music for a long time I know next year is the year of the music industry for that to all come out I've done multiple interviews on it but it's they're Who's not first? oh I don't know but there's some big <laughs> names in there um, but um
3: what was I your role what did you do in the music industry
4: I was a marketing manager so I basically sat in the middle of all of the campaigns but EMI I no I didn't do EMI I did a, I was at Atlantic in Columbia yeah Um but what I'm saying is,
3: no you one's work actually at the going... You the NME. Huh? Did you work at the NME?
4: No, I didn't work for the NME. Um, <laughs> but that's another story, the NME. Um, so, but what I'm saying is... I can't
3: believe you don't appreciate any of my uh, humour, uh, references. You appreciate none of them.
4: No, I don't appreciate anything.
3: <laughs> I'm a goth. Uh,
4: but, but what I would appreciate is if these massive companies regardless of what it is that they do spartan tough money whoever but, it is please.
3: listen they're gonna put out a nice letter this is the most important want to thing to a nice us letter. we I want really actually, give a shit blah blah blah
4: i want to actually fucking do something and i don't understand why they're not they're not doing something
1: it does it does feel as though it's like you've done the work for us thank you for thank you for doing it we can put out a thing saying it's done and that's it for the for the what what have the other brands done? Have they done anything? Is there well, is, is there any bit of
3: acknowledgement from them that maybe their same thing might be happening with theirs or? Well, once again, the community did not let that stand, and they 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 were tagging all the race directors of all the other companies. They were like, get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy, and they all did. They were like, sure, no problem, right? I mean, there was one guy who messaged me like all the brands. Big, big, big brands, small brands, they'd all ban this guy. And this one guy who has a pretty small race, I think he does one race a year, messages me. And he's like, hey, uh, what can you tell me about that guy? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, before I ban him, I just want to make sure, you know, you're really... I said, no, I don't believe it at all. It's all made up. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like I wrote a fucking article this big on what this guy did. Like, you if you need... You know what I mean? So, um, but listen, again, it's it's the but it's it's knowing the the constant news cycle and knowing how people are online. It's like I said, I said, you know, on a podcast shortly afterwards, listen, this is going to be forgotten about pretty quickly. People are going to go back to bitching about burpees and I didn't get my medal and all that stuff. That's the nature of it. So if they they banned it, which basically like destroyed this guy's life because his whole life is I'm the king of this group. And I'm going to be a fucking predator. And by the way, just for people that are listening who don't have all the background, um, read the story. You guys can link it in the show notes if you do that. Do you guys mm-hmm. do that?
1: Yeah, we yeah. Well, no, we don't know in the show notes, but we do link it in the in the Facebook group when it, uh, when what, it comes whatever. Out. Um,
4: it was shared quite heavily in yeah, our yeah, group. There was it. a lot of debate about it because I was just basically I put my foot down with it and was like, anyone in this group does that, I will literally well, what was, fucking what,
3: murder what, them. Well, what was the conversation over there?
4: it was well it it's it is what it is it's like this this guy has been caught out for doing stuff that is really fucking out of order and it was the white all really star pos-
3: guy the white star no 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 no, no
4: your story we put, we, we put your story in our group um and someone put your story in our group and but you know all of it like it would always be you're never going to get a predator in a group come forward and go good on him are you everyone's like oh god if this ever happens i can't believe that men would behave like this i can't believe you know and it's like that's really great and everything but we do you know we are very very um, clear on the rules in our group and we won't delete posts, we warn people and if they keep offending they do get deleted. If they've posted the same fucking video of a cyclist being knocked off his bike by an antelope we'll just delete it because it's boring, it means nothing to anyone. But we made it really clear and I made it really clear that you can talk to me, talk to Jody, talk to David, whoever you want to talk to um, and we can sort it out the minute it happens and so far I think we've been lucky enough that people joining the group know it's no nonsense and they also know that they will be fucking called out and they will be caught. Um, I just think Spartan could have done a better job of saying we're putting. We've seen that this is an issue and we're putting in place a duty of care. Not least because as a marketing person, it would have been a fucking great thing for them to do to attract more women to the sport. Because you know, if people are considering doing something like that, it may well put them off. Especially as, like you say, you get your midlife crisis lot who come in. Who a lot of them are suffering from trauma of some kind. The last thing they need is some fucking bloke sending them pictures of his dick.
3: But it's 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 so much worse, and this is this is what I want to what I was about to say that I want to make sure people know. And I said this uh, on the podcast shortly afterwards. I am well aware that many many men have said or done creepy things to try to get laid. I am a man. I have many friends. Right. This is this is like I get that. This is not that. This is predatory behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Meaning. I'm going to use this position of power i'm going to reach out to you he literally a woman would join the group ding you know new member this girl looks cute right mm-hmm. starts messaging starts asking if they want to meet up right and uh then um depending on how it goes right continues to pressure right and then uh, if you ever tell anyone I'll delete you from the group or I'll share the messages you shared with me Like that's why a lot of women do want to come forward. They said he's got stuff on me mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure everybody knows that that what happened was, you know We put stop to somebody who's a fucking predator not some guy who's being flirty and trying to get laid and, and yeah. or creepy but yeah. is, So it, so this is a question. Is there more that's going to come out? About him or about other people? About about other people. Is, well, we, is, is, listen, I started getting I started getting messages left and right when this thing came out, as I knew I would, right? And for a long time, I was talking to these people, and then it became too tough for me emotionally. Like I was like, oh, this is this is kind of nuts. I was like, sort of like starting to lose sleep, and my wife, you know, was like, this is kind of weird. Like these women are messaging you about all this shit. Like this is just too much. And so I, I put a stop to it and I said, listen, you guys, like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a police. Like you guys need to start a group or, or figure out a way to do it. And I can tell you that in those messages, some of them were legitimately whatever. And some of them were like, kind of, mm, maybe this is, you know what I mean? Like, do, like remember when all the me too stuff came out? Remember the, oh, thing yeah. that ha- remember the thing that happened with the comic, like Aziz Ansari, remember that one?
4: Yeah. It's like... It was, what, I call them grief vultures. These people well, are grief... There are grief vultures who want to join in but actually have no fucking reason. They want to just pick over the bits that look good on Instagram. And and I get that. And that's... that's you can laugh about it but it's the same in any fucking media situation. You're always going to get that. You know, like... Um, and, and that's difficult. And I work with um, domestic violence um, victims so I understand how emotionally that... It can be horrible to have that but there isn't anything in place anywhere where you can help these men and women through this trauma and that's the other thing in your in your um in the article it does mention that you've had men and women come forward but it only you only reported on the stories of the women which i found interesting so did no men want to go on record no or were the men talking about the, the 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 experiences of the women
3: no this particular guy hadn't hadn't um hadn't sexually whatever any other men it was just it was just a lot of men who were close to women who these things happened to
4: mm-hmm. interesting and
1: so and so what what happened so i just what what's going to happen now then like so surely you've got you you kind of it, with any with anything as soon as you kind of open the floodgates and now people feel, feel able to talk for it if they're not able to find an outlet either through through you now and you're absolutely right this isn't your responsibility you but you know and if the brands aren't doing anything to uphold this duty of care necessarily then what what do you see happening next well
3: i can tell you that tough mutter the other big brand they just banned somebody and the circumstances were a little different but i don't think they would have done it if our story hadn't just happened like people were starting to tell me, hey, your story accelerated this other thing that was going on that was more, it was more just kind of craziness than necessarily sexual. It was like people fight. Anyway, they got rid of this guy. So I think we have woken people up to some extent, but, you know, uh, again, like, you know, the the world keeps turning and people have other things to be upset about or the next thing in in the news that distracts them. You know, I, I hope that, you know, if anything, what I am proud of is that we gave women a voice. That's that's sort of the biggest thing that we've that I've heard from people is that we gave them a voice, and that it's for them to know that a man like actually understands um, and is willing to and is willing to listen. And then these companies are going to do, you know, what they do. And I'm it pretty- is the
4: internet. And the internet is very fucking hard to police, especially facebook it's the hardest thing in the world i think we do all right but with, with bbr we have a number of admins and we're always talking to each other so um and you know we have got some uh, two power crazed ones hellard and jody but uh they don't go and around we're, deleting and, stuff. and
1: we're generally hated and so yeah. we don't have a massive group that's help. That, that, that helps
4: but also most of the time you go should i delete this and we go no no <laughs>
1: So, in terms of like everything that happened, then just kind of like um, like drawing this to a, a conclusion, then is, was there anything that happened that, that you found really surprising, either from the perspective of how brands reacted, from uh, you know, the, the way that it played out, or anything that kind of changed how you felt about
3: OCR? Well, I think I was not I was not prepared. I was very naively not prepared. I knew that. I mean, I you know, not to be too dramatic, but like I literally like hovered my finger over the mouse, right, like before I hit publish. I knew like this is, this is going to be huge, right? I can't take this back. Uh, even still, I was not emotionally prepared for the, um, what was gonna happen just for myself. And also, again, naively, the, the hardcore defenders, the the truthers, if you will. Um, and so then I had to stop reading comments because they just become toxic, right? Because someone says things like, why did she go to a hotel room with him at all to, well, the courts haven't proven it. So why is he guilty? And it's like, you, you know, a lot of that, and then a lot of back and forth on that. And then I realized that if we went, if we went to court, right, if he's accused of rape and loses, those same people can say, the trial was fixed, it's not fair, you know, what I mean, the women lied, like, whatever, like, you're not going to change anybody's opinion. It's like, you know, it's the reason, you know, I don't, I don't pick fights with people about Trump, I'm not going to change their fucking minds, right? It's like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I should have known that was coming, and I didn't. And um, there are people who, who, who don't like me, who continue not to like me. And then there are people who, you know, uh, are really glad and are like, you know, thrilled. So
4: did you ever get a statement from him? Like after you published, oh, it? Yeah. did you hear from him or like his lawyers or like what happened?
3: So he's, he's not a very bright guy because the first thing he did was write this whole post sort of describing how he was innocent and, you know, basically admitting that he went to this hotel with this woman, but that it didn't happen the way she said it did. And, you know, I thought, you know, the first thing you've done is what any lawyer would tell you to do is you just put yourself at the scene of the crime. Like the first thing you would try to do is they can't prove I was even there. Right. That would be the first defense you would ever come up with. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So then he had a lawyer. I'm assuming a friend of the family, send me a letter um, asking me if I would take it down and I responded that uh, I stand by my story and that I have a dozen other women that I've talked to and that I may write another article. Um, just really, to s- not that I was gonna write one, but just to show that like, like it's gonna be worse for you if you keep hounding. Then I got another letter from what I would call an ambulance chaser. Do you have this term in the UK? Yeah. yeah. So these guys, if you go to their website and their Instagram page, it's like, has somebody said something bad about you on the internet? We will erase it and and scrub the web. Better call Saul. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. I have much more respect for Saul than these guys. Um, and and you and I know that you can't possibly scrub the web. And so I was able to get uh, some pretty amazing lawyers who specialize in journalism and First Amendment. And they sent a lawyer that's like a letter like this long that was like okay and he hasn't even responded and I doubt he will um, I'm also being uh, I'm also being legitimately served by another race you can get me on another time to talk about this I wrote an article about a company who canceled races and uh, they're 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 actually suing me like they they served me legally and I'm working on that one too so uh, we can talk about that one later though
1: oh wow. <laughs> okay. So say So there has there been a bit of a backlash.
3: <laughs> well, I think um, I think again. I like naively don't sometimes think about like the power air quotes that I have. Right, this is my bedroom, my bedroom. This is my office. Right, you're looking at it. Right, and like you know, my kids in the other room. Um, however, like I've I've spent seven years building this thing, and we put something out online. It's got a lot of power. So I think I have definitely learned that, I used to sort of wear it as a badge of honor because lots of people would say, lots of people would send me, you know, standard cease and desist. I keep making air quotes, I'm sorry. And most, and those do not scare me, right? Take this down or else, right? I've gotten tons of those. And I kind of got to this point of like, we'll fucking bring it on, right? Like, fuck you, bring it on. (laughs) And uh, I'm now realizing that, you know, eventually somebody can, and these guys, they're called cool events, did, they served me. And uh, it's not cheap, right? You have to respond. Mm -hmm. And people, you know what I'm saying? If I sued you tomorrow, right? If you don't respond, you lose. So you've gotta spend time and effort. And you know, I got a wife that worries about this stuff, even if I know I'm gonna win, you know what I mean? So uh, I don't wear it as a badge of honor so much anymore, and I definitely will be consulting this law firm from now on when I'm going to write a story that's, you know, calling somebody out, just but to make the, sure I'm covered. But the thing is, by, by the way, not a journalism major, right? Uh, not a media, no media studies. Like, uh, you know, I got a D in high school English. I'm just a guy who, you know, started this business and has been winging it. You know what I mean?
1: But the thing, but the thing is, like. It, you wouldn't and I think we talk about this a bit don't we in terms of like the what the um like uk like running media are like and everything in that they'll never say anything bad about anyone cuz you know advertising is so important right, so actually right. you know, the fact that you said you've been building it for 7 years but you've been building it for 7 years but you're still putting you're putting that on the line and that's quite a that's quite a you know a, a difficult thing to do especially if you don't have like the the you know kind of like deep pockets that other You know, know, big big media companies would have in order to defend themselves, and so it could be completely erase everything that you're doing with one one thing. So, you know, the fact that you're still kind of pushing that is, you know, clearly is is something that's very
3: um, gives gives you an edge, as it were. Well, it's also like I don't know any different. You know what I mean? Like people say that like, well, hey, like that's really great that you've built this business and like done this thing that you love. And it's like, I just, I don't know how to do anything else. Right, it's like too stupid to quit kind of thing. So um, I, like, you know, and I don't have deep pockets. I have a wife and three children and those children eat a lot of fucking cereal. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, do you guys, do you guys have any like, like are you doing a Patreon thing or just merch? We just do merch and
1: we do it really badly. That's how that's how we work. Everybody we loves bad merch. We they did every, it veers from crisis to crisis. If so, if someone sued us, and I'm absolutely astonished that no one has, um, considering how hard they've oh, no, tried. Oh no, they to have. They legit. have
4: tried, but I deleted all those posts from the page because I only like positivity <laughs> in our group. <laughs>
1: Um, if they if they sued us, we'd collapse like harder than a house of cards. It would it, it, literally you, you you could send us a cease and desist, it would probably go as well. So yeah, we you know, but but we do actually we do talk about stuff that yeah you, know, you wouldn't find in running media and things like that. It doesn't tend to be like super controversial, but it does seem to be things that you know just don't really get covered elsewhere. But we're, which, we're, the, yeah.
4: we're the same as you. Like people either really really love us or absolutely fucking hate us. not <laughs> What any, like, great,
3: who wants to be fucking you know boring ass milk toast average you know what yeah, i mean
4: yeah
1: i don't even know what milk toast is but i can just imagine what milk toast is um
3: yeah exactly
4: it's like milky toast, milky toast? that <laughs> yeah. sounds disgusting i know horrible beige like magnolia paint
1: okay amazing um brilliant um it, it's been amazing having you on um and so thank you so much for uh not just for you know sharing it but actually um you know d- doing what you've done in order to open it up in a way that probably uh, you know no one else would have would have been able to if people want to um follow you um and
3: you know uh, connect with you what's the what's the best way of them doing that so obstacle racing media is my company uh not to be confused with obstacle course racing media which is a company that started after me and practically took my name and puts out garbage content. So I'm still racing media and I am personally Matt B Davis on all the platforms. M A T T B is in boy Davis. The B is for bad boy running club. No,
4: yes. He's <laughs> changed his name.
1: Keep it as that. Keep it as that. It as
3: that. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we do have a lot in common and, uh, I should have you all on my show. Can I have you two and not the other guy, not the handsome guy? That's the main thing I would love about this, is that this is one of those interviews that
1: David would really, really want to be part of. And I'm so pleased that he's not. He's going to absolutely miss it. So, yeah, when you do the invite, don't include him.
4: That's when you get the cease and desist, when you have David (laughs)
3: Hellard on your podcast. Can you guys guys ever talk uh, earlier? Is this the earliest you can do? Yeah, we can. Yeah, Yeah, we we can can talk whenever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, why did you make it so late? We could have done it, like, earlier today. Because I was on a
4: plane coming I back from a desert. Oh, yeah, fine. yeah. we have to... Yeah. Hey, did
3: what-his-name do that race? Did, uh... Did... I want to say Ian. They're all named Ian, though, over there. Uh, what's his last name?
4: Dave, <laughs> Tom, Ian, Pete, Steve.
3: Graham. Graham. Graham? Graham. They're all named, they're all named Ian or Graham, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Nigel. Nigel,
1: there's no one called Nigel. I think the last Nigel died out about three years I ago. I didn't.
3: I didn't have any Nigels. I had two Toms. Had three. We're Ian's. only making plans for Nigel. <laughs> Nigel. I, your I listeners didn't know we're gonna get my amazing XTC version. Are you an XTC fan, by the way? Sure, I love them. Why <laughs> did you roll your eyes? Because you. I'm not. Nobody
4: likes them. <laughs> really? Yeah. How are you? My ex-editor
1: my ex- on, on the trade magazine I worked on used to like them and used to play it on loop for about nine hours when we were going to press, which was just the worst experience ever. So that's my only real experience of XTC.
4: Uh, have you told anyone about that? <laughs> I, mean, I'm feeling, I feel like I'm coming out with this as well. Okay, uh, amazing.
3: Ian, Ian's cool. his name. Uh, Graham, his name is Graham. Did a guy <laughs> called Graham run the race and he's bald?
4: Yes, he did. He he rode the bike for two days and then he ran for three days.
3: And what are you supposed to do?
4: Well, ride the bike for two days and run for three days, or run for five days.
3: And what did he do? Rode the bike for two days
1: and like ran a power play for going three days.
3: I'm not I'm not sure. What she, do you understand what she's saying, Jodie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, What <laughs> is no. she saying?
1: Just. i big bully bullied. You can either you can either ride the bike for two days and run for three days. Or you can run for five days. So he days. rode the bike an extra
3: day like a big wuss. Is that what no. you're saying?
4: No. The race, race to the race wreck... is five days. Okay, race to the wreck works like this. There's two options. Either ride a bike for two days through the desert, then run for three days. Or fuck the bike off and run for five days. Wait a minute. But wouldn't you go further on the bike? No, or because do you the just... bike course is longer. The bike course is uh... 100 kilometres a day, whereas the running is not 100 kilometers a day. Okay. So if you do the bike and run, you do 300 kilometers in the week. If you just do the run, you do 200 kilometers. But the bike's horrible. Everybody that did the bike was like, my fucking ass is literally bleeding. And I was like, I told you, it's horrible. They're big fat bikes. Okay, and listen, the dunes listen, are
3: horrible. Listen, just before before we go, listen, before we go. I have wanted to come over there. As I said, I am, I am an Anglophile, as you can tell by my brilliant uh, impression of... XTC and my extensive knowledge of all things UK.
4: Your accent is amazing.
3: Right. So I've wanted to come over for a long time and do uh, a race, right? So I used to just think probably only an obstacle race. Yeah, but, do that. But but now, since I'm I'm looking at longer running goals, I've done a few ultras. I think I'd like to get back to ultras 2020, 2021. Uh, I'd like to talk to you guys about coming over and doing something, especially if it's a race that you put on or that you know a lot a lot about, because I'm trying to um, get out there.
4: Well, you should come over for the running show. Like we've got we've got the Ultra Zone at the running show in January, and then you meet loads of great people, including the race director, who I will say to you, go and run his race because it's really good.
3: <laughs> well, is there one that weekend? It's not just a convention, right?
4: No, it's a big convention, but um, but yeah, we could we'll. We'll we'll sort you something out. Don't worry. We'll sort you yeah, something out. I don't out, want to come over you?
3: just for a convention. I want to come over to run.
4: Oh, okay. We'll we'll do a race just for you. We'll set one up.
3: You can come over for um,
1: Great British Beerathon. That would be a that would be a great race. That's mm-hmm. a different level of endurance.
4: That, that's almost OCR as well because you've got to jump over people sick.
1: <laughs> and jump over people collapsed.
4: Yeah.
3: All right. We'll talk. We'll talk later.
0: So there you go, listener. Bit of a different episode for you there. Bit of a different style interview, but also a different outro for us. Very different all around. But, um, yeah, what do you think? It just seems that wherever there is unchecked power, even if it's a, only a kind of minor social power, there's always going to be some dick, isn't there? Um, so... I think that's the challenge we face as a society these days is that there's all these semi-communities that are, are popping up everywhere that um, there's no real regulation of them or people to keep them in check. So, um, yeah, be interested to know what your thoughts are. The flip side of it, which is obviously it's, it's very hard to to be able to police these things and to create communities that are fully Engaging and involving of everyone, and, and do welcome everyone with open arms, without also attracting some people that aren't necessarily your favourite in the world. Um, so where do you find the balance? But hopefully we're managing to do that with the podcast, managing to that the group, and with the running club. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with uh, Facebook groups in general. But I want to know from what Ali Bailey was saying about the music industry, because my God, I bet there's some stories to come out there. If you think about all the industries where there have been all these exposés, the music industry is, is already the most debauched of them, where people almost build their reputations on their, their bad behavior. And so how far could it go? But also, who's it going to be? Oh, I hope it's not Cliff Richard love that guy Ah, oh, no it won't be Cliff it will not be Cliff but it'd be so interesting to uh, to know which brings me up to the next topic the Christmas party it's coming up it's coming up soon Ali Bailey will be there hopefully sh- she'll be tipsy and telling us who she means or what she's heard because I doubt we'll be able to broadcast it on this podcast whatever we do here so if you haven't got your ticket for that do come along got the national running show coming up but i've already talked about that in our outro next week so i won't mention that too much if you enjoyed this episode then other ones linked to ocr that are good to listen to Uh, we spoke to john alban five or six times double world champion of ocr and we caught up with him we used to be teammates and so he talked about that his sky racing and uh, his trail running Some really early episodes with Pete Rees. Fantastic. Pete started off Mudstacle that Matt mentioned quite a few times. And he goes into almost the birth of ocr but also the transformation that we saw in the uk where we had three years where it absolutely boomed and then started to fall away so he talks about that and talks about the community he set up and the different races but also jim from rat race really interesting rat race were one of the originals not the very original obstacle race but certainly the first urban one they still have the world's longest continuous Obstacle race, and he does all of the events that I've certainly done in the past. But Ali's now doing with these new adventures going into epic countries and really getting into the ultra world. So, another fascinating um, episode to listen to and to understand how he's seen the obstacle and the ultra community change and warp and people jump from one to the other and where he sees the sport going in the future. So, that's bad boy running very different episode to the usual um it's not normally so hotpotched but sometimes it is we're not paid we're short of time guests cancel we're busy it's a nightmare but hopefully we can still continue to uh, put episodes out each week that are still good content and um to help with that if there's anyone in particular you'd like us to interview please do suggest them tag us in the facebook group we won't necessarily get them all on uh, not all of them will reply to us or we won't necessarily be able to track them all down but we'll certainly give it a go and try and get them on there uh, you know the the wider the diversity pool the better uh, This is quite an unusual topic today but we like to not just speak to fast runners but to speak to people who are interesting or about topics that are interesting or related to to endurance sports in some way um if you're not on if you haven't followed on instagram and you want to put questions to guests then do follow us on there we publish in advance who we're going to be speaking to doesn't always happen because things fall through but we will ask the questions or incorporate them in the conversation with them so you can get a little bit extra out of every episode that uh, that we have and if you haven't left a five star review please subscribe and review us on on iTunes. It's the the number one way by which people judge the podcast and that really helps us in getting on good guests and exposure elsewhere. So uh, if you haven't done that already, please, please get on there and do it. Um, So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with uh, an even more cut up and um, unusual episode. But I've already recorded that, and it's really, really good. Danny Bent is on his way, and he is just a wonderful human being to talk about. Or um, taking 21 people who weren't ultra trains to run an ultra across Iceland, and also setting up the the London relay and potentially the world relay. So really, really topic, interesting topic for you in the forthcoming weeks. Camille Heron is is uh, should be coming back in a couple of weeks, uh, third time on to talk about how she broke the 24 hour world record and also just to be Camille because chatting to her is a joy because she's awesome. Um, and we also have the former head of WADA coming on to finally educate Jodie and I as much as as you guys on how it all works, how they test people, where the power lies in these organisations, who makes the decisions. So hopefully we can just get a clearer understanding of the issues facing our sport and and what likely is to change and actually the great thing is rob he's uh, set up a new organisation with the sole intention of changing the sport and lobbying through through the powers of the uh, the athletes themselves so thanks for listening hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye, bye-bye,
0: bye-bye, bye-bye, bye Butter bye-bye, bye-bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Yes, and give me one more try. Cause a love like this shoulda never, ever die. Come back. Fuck you, buddy.